This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast right here on 105.9 The Region, exclusively part of our Discoveries block. I'm Shaliza Bacchus. I'm Afua Ball. Hope everyone's enjoying fall. It's fall. I don't fall have a. Time. I don't have a, a fall themed coffee today, but I drank it already. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I know you wouldn't skip out on that part. <laughs> Never. How are you? How have you been so far? You know, not bad. I've actually been trying to enjoy the fall weather too, trying to, you know, take in the season as much as I can and uh, try to be productive too. Mm-hmm. But um, by productive, I just mean instead of sleeping a lot. I mean, <laughs> I sleep an hour less than a lot. Well, that's all right. Everybody. Needs <laughs> I won't sleep. define what that a lot is. Though. <laughs> Everybody needs sleep. And uh, for this edition of Millennial Balance, we are joined by the Executive Vice President of Human Resources and Social Impact at Green Shield Canada, Mila Lucia. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, and I love the energy that I'm getting from the two of you. (laughs) On the daily, you know, (laughs) on the daily. Perfect, perfect for this time of year. (laughs) Wonderful. Mila, why don't you start off uh, telling us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So um, I've been at Green Shield for about seven years now, and I've got the great uh, pleasure of having two parts to my portfolio. So the first part is all about human resources, and that's where I've got a great team that works to help all of our employees across the organization, basically to optimize their full potential and to be able to do all the great work that Green Shield does for our clients. And then the second part of my portfolio, I'm going to say, is just as exciting, if not more. And it's about supporting the organization with our mission. Uh, So social impact is all of the work that we do in community in giving back and making investments um, to help people have better health outcomes and live healthier lives all across Canada. So it's a big task, but it's a lot of fun uh, working with everybody across the organization, as well as external partners. And you've been you've been in the workforce. You've been doing this for such a long time. And let me just say it's it's amazing to see a woman in this role. And I'm sure there have been lots. Uh, We might not have time to list them all, but I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure there are a lot of challenges you faced over the course of your career. Uh, yeah, you're making me feel old now, but I have been. <laughs> seasoned, have been seasoned, <laughs> seasoned. Everyone loves a seasoned woman. Yeah. So, yes, I've uh, I've been working for a while now, a few decades. And um, yeah, there absolutely have been some challenges as a woman. Uh, certainly my time before I joined Green Shield seven years ago, I was actually predominantly in the automotive industry. And so that's a very male dominated industry um, dealt with, you know, a number of union groups. So that can have some kind of male uh, tendencies to it as well. And so uh, I think the challenge was just, you know, making sure that I felt comfortable uh, as a woman and trying to show up as my whole authentic self, which was really difficult, you know, through the years because um, you want to fit in. And so what ends up happening is you tend up to maybe show up more male uh, than just being your true authentic self. And, you know, I just heard a quote the other day that I wish I had heard many years ago. And the quote is that trying to be a man is a waste of a woman. And I thought, wow, that's a fantastic quote. And again, I wish I knew that in the early days. That would have been uh, very helpful. 
Um, but, you know, I think that's a challenge. And I think a, another challenge is just um, being seen and treated as equal to our male counterparts. And I think that one was a little bit easier for me just because I've, you know, always had a strong voice. I grew up with a, a strong role model in my mom. You know, as the daughter of immigrant parents, there were certain challenges that our family went through growing up. And, you know, I think those challenges kind of just present opportunities to be stronger. I think, as you said, we could probably talk all day about the different kinds of challenges we experience in the workplace. But um, I think the, the key is just continuing to be focused on showing up your best self and proving yourself in the work that you do. And, uh, and then people get that you legitimately belong there and that eventually in the leadership roles that you do um, have a role to play as a leader amongst everyone else. So, I mean, just touching on the part where you said that you started off in the automotive industry, mm-hmm. and of course, as we know, um, one of the trade, the trades that are very male dominated. And so, I mean, I'm just wondering what made you get into that industry in the first place? And then what gave you the sort of push to maintain or stay in that industry before you sort of pivoted to sort of flourish in where you are now? Mm-hmm. Great questions. And I think that maybe the reason why I started in the automotive industry was just kind of the path that my career took me on. Um, When I first started in uh, human resources, after I graduated my business degree, my master's degree, I wasn't necessarily focused on getting into human resources, but rather I was really looking to get into an industry and a career that was challenging, um, that allowed me to really focus on outcomes and achievements. I mean, that's what really excites me. And so, you know, through some of my earlier work, I ended up working with some client groups that were in automotive and I was made an offer and I accepted. And so that's where my journey started in automotive. And I think what kept me there is the excitement. I mean, it it is such a challenging industry. And honestly, as I was always in tier one, which meant that we were the suppliers to, you know, the main manufacturers. And it always, you know, felt like life and death. (laughs) It's like, if you didn't get the part out the door, you're going to be shutting down the manufacturing line. And so having that kind of intensity was exciting. Um, The notion of always having to get better and always having to come up with, you know, process improvements and doing things better. And then just being able to work with um, like such hardworking and dedicated people in that industry, I think is absolutely what kind of kept me there. I, I literally don't have words like, you know, like I feel like I could listen to you talk all day because it's just it's so inspiring. And, you know, a lot of, of people our age, especially women our age, are trying to figure out how to navigate through this this workforce that in so many different industries that have been dominated by males for so many years. And now we're finally sort of starting to break through a little bit. So do you have any advice for for females who are trying to make it in the corporate world and outside of that as well? You know, I think there's a number of things that like as human beings, we need to think about and probably more um, intentionally for young women. And I think um, in no order, like some of the things that come to mind is just really making sure that you know your worth. And what I mean by that is the good, the bad, the ugly. So it's not about thinking that you're all that. Um, But making sure that you understand like what you've got to bring to the table and what you've got to work on and being self-aware about that, but then go after what you feel you're worth. 
And, you know, when I think about my career, um, there were a number of times where I felt like I had demonstrated my worth and it was time for me to be recognized with a different title or expanded responsibility or more money. I didn't always get them, but that was really important to me. Another thing I like to say is use your outside voice. And so I think that's so important for women, especially when you are in a room full of men or an industry that has that is male dominated, just to have a strong voice and to be thoughtful about it. Like not that you're belligerent or a know-it-all, but that when you've got something that you think is meaningful to say, uh, to actually feel comfortable, you know, saying it and saying it with uh, conviction and having others take you seriously. Um, and maybe the last one I'll give because I got a long list, but you know, the other one that I've always lived by is to strive for an integrated life and not a balanced one. And what I mean by that is, I don't think you will be able to create a life where you have balance every day. Instead, I always, I tell my folks all the time, like, think about all of your priorities in your life, your personal and your work, and think about them like balls. And some of them are glass balls that you throw up in the air and some of them are rubber balls. And if the glass balls fall and break, like they're gone, they're destroyed. And the rubber balls, if they fall, they'll bounce. They'll bounce to somebody else. They'll bounce back to you or they'll just bounce away. And so I think as a woman, uh, even when we're young, it's really important for us to know what the priorities are in our life and and think about that every day, because every day you're making trade-offs and that's what will also make you successful in your life. I mean, <laughs> there are so many other sidebar questions that I want to ask within those three points, yeah. but then there's not enough time for that. There's gonna have to be part two, of course, by this conversation. I kind of have a feeling I know what Shalisa might want to ask next, next. So I might, I'm just going to pivot slightly well, and just ask, well, you know, I can't, I can't tell everything. You will. We, you <laughs> got that the pumpkin spice latte, but you know, aside from that, <laughs> the, the decisions that you've made over the years and, and what you've pushed to do to break or to to mold or to bend the status quo, um, paving the way for others. Have you ever thought of yourself as a sort of trailblazer in this industry or in general for other women to sort of maybe break their own path in whatever industry they're in? I guess I've, I've never thought of myself as a trailblazer. I think I've thought of myself as a strong woman and I've recognized where I've been able to make a difference. Uh, and I think of, you know, whether it's been through my career and the changes that I've implemented or the people that I've mentored or brought along. And then I also think about, you know, the volunteer work that I've done. And early in my career, I ended up being the president of the HR uh, Personnel Association uh, for Windsor Essex. And I was able to make some differences in the couple of years that I was there that helped to pave the way. So I think about examples like that. I think about sitting on the St. Clair College Board when we hired um, the college's first female president ever, who's just done amazing work. Like having the opportunity to participate in those kinds of things and to leave a mark and to be a part of that is, is really um, something that I value. Yeah, and that, that is so valuable. It's just, and it's definitely a struggle. And mm -hmm. do, do you find that maybe there are resources available for, for women specifically who are kind of trying to find their way? Like, is there a way to give them maybe an upper hand? 
I think generally speaking, if I take a, if I give a tip to people that really want to continue to grow and thrive in their career is just think about who you can surround yourself with and, you know, call it your inner circle. And that inner circle should be made up of a, of a variety of people that can help you and motivate you, but really to support you and lift you up. And I think each individual should figure out who they need in their inner circle. And it shouldn't be a bunch of people that are just yes people. It should be people that can really help them see, um, you know, where their strengths are, where their growth areas are. And then I guess I can give a plug for um, Room for Her, which is one of the initiatives that Green Shield does under its social impact agenda. And so let's say if we do have women that are struggling um, from a, a mental wellness perspective, we currently are offering uh, complimentary support um, through our roomforher.ca website, which um, we've got 10,000 subscriptions complimentary for one year to be part of the Room for Her uh, website. And it just provides uh, a whole myriad of resources. Like there's access to webinars and conferences and written things. And uh, it also allows people to do self-guided cognitive behavioral therapy if they're looking to manage some symptoms that they might be experiencing, you know, related to anxiety or depression or um, any other mental wellness issues, because it's just so predominant. And I have to tell you, as a result of um, COVID, the impact on women has been so disproportionately negative. Um, this is the reason why we wanted to do something to help women uh, to continue to, to rise above uh, and to try and take back some of the negative uh, repercussions of COVID. Mila, before you go, I just, I want to ask like one thing, like when you mm -hmm. got, when you got that, like that role, when you made it to the top, like, how did that feel? I mean, it, it felt amazing. It feels so good, especially when you're achievement oriented, like each time you achieve that next thing on kind of that path that you set out for yourself, especially when you achieve it because of like a lot of hard work and dedication and it's so fulfilling, right? Yes. Yes, we are all about that. And one day, one day we're going to be the majority. We are going to mm -hmm. make it. We are breaking barriers. And thank you so much, Mila, for this amazing conversation. Once again, uh, Mila Lucia, 8 million things. You've got like so many titles. <laughs> just you, Google her just and you'll Google find her, it. But Executive <laughs> VP, Human Resources and Social Impact at Green Shield Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Such a pleasure to be able to talk to you guys about this important topic. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe, and brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Whether or not you use it, social media has changed the, the way that humans interact with one another, and on some level, it's impacted the way that we see the world. So keeping in mind that I'm no expert, but rather a provider of platforms, I've, I've reached out and joining me today is Dr. Christine Corbisson, a clinical psychologist with the Canadian Mental Health Association, York Region, South Simcoe. Doctor, thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to be there. 
Uh, so let's jump right in. You and I are here to talk about social media, and something that I wanted to discuss with you was the idea of seeing a wor the world through a filter. Uh, by that, I mean, it seems that we as a society kind of strive for perfection in our online appearance by using filters and kind of picking and choosing just the right picture to give this illusion of there's nothing wrong in my life, everything's great. So my question to you, doctor, is why do we do that? Why do we keep this veil of secrecy on what our, our life really looks like when posting on, online? In the appearance, on the short term, it makes people feel good. So they post happy moments, they post experience that they think people don't often have, those positive experiences. And it gives them a, a different sense of themselves, even if it's only for a moment, right? So the, the problem is that, you know, if you see the post, people tend to be quite happy, um, and it brings some negative impact. Okay, and um, moving on a bit, and something that I find personally kind of troubling is you know, in the world of social media anyway, there seems to be a, a pseudo addiction to likes and views. And, you know, if you're trying to make a business out of that, likes and views are very important. But for us average people, it, it seems kind of troubling that we're we're cultivating this society where likes and views are are giving us a dopamine hit. Is that fair to say that we're we're kind of using social media to, to make ourselves feel better in an immediate sense? Yes, many people do use the social media. They count their views, they like. Uh, many people visit their uh, own profile page several times to see if there is maybe an increase in views and like. And they evaluate themselves based on other people's response. And most of the people who comment or post they don't even know the person personally yet. And, you know, I, I know I'm guilty of this as well, that when I post something, I will go check it multiple times to see who's interacted. Is, is that a normal thing, or do you think that, generally speaking, we as a society are pretty good at they'll post something, and if it gets likes, it, it doesn't matter? Or do you think it's more common that a lot of people are like myself in the sense that it becomes a almost a competition with my peers to see the kind of interaction that I can get on my social media. That's right. This constant self-evaluation, you know, multiple times a day brings almost like a competition. People compare their own views, their own achievements, their... Um, physical appearance to other people. Uh, they compare their well-being or they interpret other people's emotional uh, portrait to their own. And that can bring feelings of, you know, maybe people may be envious. Uh, people may be very preoccupied with themselves and then people may have a lower self-esteem because they perceive that they cannot reach the happiness that they believe other people have. Well, and you say that, but I, I, I wonder if 
there's a bit of a disconnect that, you know, I know when I'm posting on social media, I, similar to the examples I gave, will kind of curate what's being put out there, knowing full well that that's not really the way my life is. But is it fair to say that, you know, we understand that from a logical standpoint, but the emotional part of our brain sees the curated content. I'm like, oh my goodness, if only I could have that life. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's an addiction, but it does seem like a bit of an addiction that we all have to present this, this facade uh, to the online world, as opposed to, to dropping the guard and showing them our messy homes or whatever it might be. There is an addictive nature of, you know, for many people, of the use of social media. They perceive that they cannot turn it off. They have to look at it several times a day. So it's definitely like uh, there is that uh, nature. And, you know, some people argue that it affects the dopamine level, like people feel better for a moment. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because there's a question I want to ask you a little bit later in the show, but uh, it kind of segues perfectly with what we're saying here. I wanted to get your opinion. Well, what do you think about the idea that we as a society have become essentially connected to the outside world on a 24-7 basis, that we have the whole world's information in the palm of our hands with our smartphones and stuff. Is this something that's kind of a detriment to the human mind to be constantly dialed in and constantly available and just perpetually inundated with information on a, on a constant basis? That's right. Uh, people keep looking for more information. I mean, to some extent, for some people, it can dull the brain for people who just receive the information, they take it at face value and they don't question it. There can be a distraction, right? People can use it to avoid focusing on their own problems, but this constant connection can also overstimulate the brain and it can have a, a, a negative impact, right? So. We have to remember that everything has to be done in moderation because otherwise the brain can also become overworked, right? Because it tries to process all that information. And in fact, when there is an overload, it can create an increase in stress hormone, like cortisol, for example. And people can feel restless. And they they can feel a little confused, and they can feel anxious, uh, and even powerless, or even have a mental fatigue. It depends how much people are using it and for what. Piggybacking off of that train of thought, I wanted to ask your opinion: Is there any, or is there merit in having the? all the news and just this constant stream of information at readily accessible because you know when i look at my social media feed in terms of uh, in particular news content a lot of it is unfortunately kind of negative you know there's a lot of death there's robberies there's uh, any number of god-awful news stories that come out on a constant basis is there merit in knowing what's going on in the world around us or are we kind of doing ourselves a disservice by perpetually putting ourselves in that information or in that position that we're, we're taking in all of this negativity and all of the, essentially the worst that the world has to offer. People have to 
use the social media in moderation. They don't have to be updated every few minutes about what's happening in the world. So if they can place a limit, just like in the old days when people were used to pick up the newspaper in the morning, they will read what's happening, they put it away, and then they focus on their work and their life. Okay, or people will watch television at night, the news, like, and, and that's it, they put it to rest. The problem is that these news can be programmed on your computer or on your phone to just pop up, and then it becomes a distraction. So the individual loses the ability to concentrate on what they are doing for a long period of time because they are those constant notification. So it's really important that they pay attention to how much time they spend, when they spend that time. Also notice how do they feel when they are getting that information. Is that this bad news, is that help them feel better or does that help contribute to them feeling worse about themselves and their view on, of the future and their view of other people. So they have to understand what's happening to their brain when they are constantly bombarded with this information. Um, I, I wanted to pivot a little bit because something popped into my head as I was uh, preparing for this conversation. You know, we as a society have kind of reached a point that uh, there's a lot of fake news and misinformation uh, with social media kind of being the driving force for those things. And me personally, I've pushed back at people that will share misinformation uh, and I've had them kind of double down when they're presented with facts. So my question to you is, in your opinion, how do we combat this idea that opinion and belief are, are starting to outweigh facts and that there are people out there that will take a headline that they saw on social media and base their entire internal beliefs on what is essentially a lie or, or fake news, for lack of a better expression? Well, people have to recognize that a lot of those pictures in social media are not the real picture. They are retouched, right? Uh, people tend to convey some information in the way they want the person to feel, or they want to have an image of themselves. So if the news are conveying uh, some drastic event and the person feels bad, they have to ask themselves, what is the purpose of the message here? Is it just for me to be informed or for me to have an emotional reaction to what I'm seeing on my phone? And we know that it's very easy to manipulate people with emotion. When they are overwhelmed by emotion, their capacity for reflection drops. Okay? And, and that makes perfect sense when you word it like that, too, that, you know, even based on my own experience with social media, if someone doesn't necessarily like what I've posted, doesn't agree with it, because it it matters so much to me, it makes sense that I would defend that position that, you know, this is important to me and here's why and you're wrong for thinking otherwise. So that makes a lot of sense for sure. 
Dr. Corbison, we're running out of time here, but I, I like to close with positivity. Uh, for instance, the last episode of this podcast, I, I talked about anxiety and I used the example of a previous guest having students that were having crippling anxiety about public speaking. And I use that as kind of a jumping off point to suggest the positive to be found is that although it's bad that children are having anxiety, it's good that it's leading to conversation about that. So all of that to say, in your personal opinion, what's a positive that can be found about the use of social media? And then further, what's a professional opinion you have in terms of what might be a positive uh, around social media? Social media can help people connect each other. We have family members who live very far away and they can share pictures of each other. They can share some messages about what's happening in their lives. As long as it's done to share, to keep the person um, informed about what, what's happening in their life and not to be motivated by a narcissist uh, element. Right? So that can, uh, that can be quite helpful, but again, in motivation, in, in the story, it can be helpful in moderation. I'm not sure who came up with the phrase uh, moderation is key or if that's even a phrase it's possible I'm I'm paraphrasing but uh, regardless it seems as though with social media moderation is key. Uh, Dr. Christine Corbison, clinical psychologist with Canadian Mental Health Association York Region South Simcoe, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. My pleasure. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.